Summoners, welcome back to League of Legends Radio, now in color. I'm your host, Ponderous Sea Lion, and thank you so much for downloading this episode. We've had some great growth the past couple of weeks, thanks to you guys all supporting us continuously. So thank you for that. We have a great interview for you this week with Chris, the creator of the app Duo. Um, we'll have a, we'll be asking him about the production process and some of what goes into creating an app like that. And I'll also be talking about objective control and how you can use it to win games. So stick around. I'd like to also give a shout out to improveyourleague.com. They recently launched their improveyourleague.com 2.0, which has completely revamped the way that they lay out their videos. They've got more categories and it's a lot easier to find things. I really like the new layout so again you can check them out at improveyourleague.com and without further ado let's jump right into the episode. We're here with Chris the creator of the app Duo. Uh, Chris welcome to the show. Thank you it's a pleasure to be here. And what is the goal for the app? What does it do and what inspired it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been kind of a long journey, to be honest. It started with, you know, the, the Smash documentary, kind of seeing the venues that people were, were going to in the Smash community. I was just amazed that at such a level of popularity, there's so much passion behind it that they were using kind of hotel space. Obviously, that's changed with events like Evo. Um, but I, I was thinking, like, there had to be a place for gamers to meet, and so I ended up um, coming up with, like, an MVP for, for the LAN event series here in Manhattan, um, for League of Legends and now Dota 2, but I, I felt like it wasn't doing enough. I wanted to get gamers to be able to connect and find someone to hang out with online for a more kind of serious relationship, maybe a more consistent partner for, for League of Legends. And uh, I found that this app, which basically um, um, is almost like Tinder for video games, right? Like you'll, you'll swipe through, you'll have preferences based on what you would like to see, you know, we cross-check that against the, the Riot API, which has all your in-game stats to help you find the best uh, best partner. So it's, uh, we're very excited about it. You know, we're still going through some of the approval processes with, with Riot. So, you know, we're very excited about what we will eventually bring, but it, there's still actually a little bit of work that's going on. In addition to the, the whole Smash events, I mean, it really does, it really does, uh, have its origins from when I was in high school, and you know my, my class was relatively small, probably 110 people, but there were only three or four people who I could actually like mention my passion for gaming to without being completely judged. And so I felt like it would have been wonderful if there was some kind of network or community out there. Obviously, there was on the internet, but I didn't know about it. And so I think making those connections more accessible, whether that means it's at a land, one of the land events or the land series in, in Manhattan. Or through the app, where you can literally just swipe and then find a uh, someone to connect with. Um, it, it's really awesome. So I think really that's the um, that's that's where I'm coming from. Is trying to trying to make a, a better place for everyone. So you mentioned it being uh, like the Tinder of video games, and what 
Um, why did you decide to go with that approach? You know, it's interesting. I mean, it, it, it is and it isn't like a Tinder. It's almost it's almost more of a, a seamless, which is like a delivery uh, a delivery like plat- web platform in, in New York. I'm sure it's um, around the U.S. as well. I'm not sure about internationally, but you know, being able to be recommended a restaurant or some kind of place. Um, it has, you know, the ratings that, that people, other people have given them on the platform. So, um, you know, on Seamless, it's like a five-star network or on Yelp or like those kind of rating uh, websites. But this is more of, uh, we have certain categories, um, like if they're friendly, they're skilled, they're helpful. You know, one thing that we're really excited about and still trying to think about integrating is uh, some kind of negative feedback or something where... Users could let someone know that, to use the, like, the restaurant analogy, they got food poisoning from this place and other people should stay away. <laughs> right, yeah. And I know that a word that Riot uses a lot is toxicity. And honestly, like when Curse Voice was new, I used it a lot. I had a beta key um, before when it had the timers, before Riot had actually added them, you know, pretty early stages. But um, one thing that I've noticed is that typically people tend to be a lot less mean to each other when they're actually talking over Skype or whatever, and is that also something, just a question, is that something that is also included in the thing, whether they use VoiceCom or not? So, um, we've had a number of suggestions from people, we've done um, several thousand survey uh, responses, with different surveys, and one of the things that a lot of people ask about is voice communication, and I think that this is um, helpful, um, you know, it's, there's a lot of content that you want to include in an application without it being so cluttered. Fortunately, we have kind of an open-ended solution, which is a text chat or an instant messaging. So if you're matched with someone, you don't necessarily know off the bat if they're like prone to using voice communication. You'll know if they speak the same language as you, but you won't know if they use um, like Skype or Ventrilo or Curse Voice. But you, what you can do is when you're matched with them, you can simply, when you're IMing them, you can say, hey, you know, I like to use um, first voice. That's kind of a deal breaker for me. And if they say no, you can choose to remain anonymous. So the thing about the app is you're anonymous until you decide to reveal your name, which kind of helps with uh, um, being targeted in the game or trying to like, identify who certain people are. So you're, you're pretty much anonymous until you actually connect with someone and then opt to reveal your name. Oh wow, that actually, that actually is a really cool idea. So you just they don't know who you are until you guys decide for sure that you want to play together? Yeah, so basically if I was typing through profiles, we haven't nailed this detail down, but one of the things we're considering is just having their state or country uh, where their name would be. So it's like United States, you know, Silver 3, they like to play top a lot, Pantheon, um, you know, their win ratio is like, you know, I don't know, I don't know like 47%. So you get all these stats. You know, they're the top language you wanted. They apparently, um, you know, speak the same language as you. They, um, you know, have the same availability to play as you. And so, you know, it's like, okay, this is probably a good match or better than one you might randomly find um, through, you know, an NBA client, as an example. Um, so... That you can, you can uh, IM them and say, hey, you know, you're from the United States. I'm actually from, you know, New York. Where are you from? And you can have that whole conversation. Um, you can actually filter um, how close you want someone to be. So I think it's like same state or, or area, which is about as detailed as it would get. Uh, and then I guess it's like same time zone, same country, and then, you know, it doesn't, 
because you have no preference at that point. Um, but yeah, so you can, uh, you're, you're basically anonymous. How does the uh, browsing process work? Would I just input, you know, I'm looking for a top lane gold five Pantheon player like you mentioned or who lives in this time zone and then it just scrolls through all the results and gives me whoever meets those criteria? So if you go to, um, it's a great question, if you go to um, duo app, D-U-O app, uh, one word dot launchrock.com, that was the, the landing page that we used for the website to collect uh, pre-data email signups, and there's actually some photos there, or screen grabs, of the, um, of the preferences screen on the far right. You can see that you basically have, your, you're choosing whether you want to look for a ranked partner or a non-ranked partner. One of the suggestions that we're thinking about implementing soon is, you know, I want to find an ARAM partner, or I want to find a King of the, the Crystal Star partner, um, you know, those kind of um, other game modes that people like to play. Um, and then you can choose like what role you want someone to be. Um, if there's a particular um, character quality that's important to you, like friendly, skilled, or helpful, you can choose one of those to find someone who has been above average rated as skilled or above average rated as friendly or above average rated as helpful. But as far as like the gold five or what tier you get, you know, that's going to be based on whether you're picking a ranked or not. Because if you pick rank, you know, there's actually in-game limitations of how high someone can be to your tier or how low someone can be to your um, tier to be able to play with them. So it just depends on, I guess, the qualities that I'm looking for. Like if I just want to chill with someone and play normals, I can, you know, use the search criteria for that. Or if I want to get a serious ranked partner, I can use it for that. Absolutely, yeah. So it's actually a, a really versatile app. I expected it to just kind of be geared towards ranked, but... Yeah, no, I mean, it's interesting because um, demographically, when we looked at how people were responding to the surveys, it really did vary by country or by gender, which wasn't even consistent by country either. So it seems like there, or even by age, like each kind of age group or gender or like, you know, um, citizen of a certain country wanted to use this app for, for something different, um, which, which I thought was really fascinating to get to see that. Um, so it's, a, it's, a, it's very interesting and, and we're really excited about what, what other features we're going to be trying to be layering in uh, one thing that has been talked a lot about in the surveys is like written reviews um, and we're you know, want to be really careful with something like that, you know, it's already you know um, very interesting or potentially dangerous to have, you know, the, the ratings that we, as we currently plan um, and so if we can open the door to, you know, text text writing or text reviews or comments, you know, there's a, there's a whole can of worms with trolls or, you know, is, is something that's, you know, verbally offensive but actually a very good representation of someone's character, a, a good or bad thing from the application. So, you know, that's something that we're really thinking about implementing. But, yeah, I mean, it, the intent is for this to be to find any kind of gaming partner across all games. We just happen to be starting with. League of Legends, because that's the game that um, the team knows the most and loves the most. So obviously you're not doing this alone, but um, who else works with you guys on this? Uh, I've got an awesome uh, development team. Um, it's actually two teams. Uh, we have uh, some friends um, in Ukraine. They're called Contra Mobile. And we have uh, uh, another team that they are very close to working with that they referred um, as, as part of the back end. And uh, they're, they're helping us. So we've got probably, you know, 12 people, including me. Um, working on this, so it's a pretty 
Yeah, it just takes so many people to do any project like this, and it's kind of ridiculous. I tried actually, I tried actually, um, it was a precursor to this app, and uh, it was just me and, and, you know, one other close friend, and I was just like, we were way in over our heads and couldn't figure it out, so this time I was like, let's, let's try to find some friends with, like, you know, teams and experience to really help us get this off the ground, so really happy with where we are, definitely on track to get this launched soon. Have you guys been encountering, you know, any difficulties from a development perspective? Uh, no, I mean, I think, I think from a development perspective, it's been really, um, it, I, you know, any challenges. I mean, you know, obviously there are certain features that we want to have implemented that might be more complicated to, to put together. But, I mean, you know, that's just a matter of, you know, how many more hours we have to put in versus than what we expected. I think um, the biggest challenge, honestly, is trying to, and this isn't even necessarily from a programming perspective, but just from developing it, is making sure that everyone can get what they want out of it. Um, and that whatever the use case might be, the app will be helpful for them and, and useful. Um, and then thinking about all of the, the, the other details that people want to be adding, or think that should be part of the app from the start, um, and thinking about how to implement those, I think that that's probably or even how to prioritize them, frankly, because I think all of the ideas that we've heard are fantastic. It's just a question of, well, what should we put in first, or what should we focus on next? Right, because you guys, your goal is to be able to appeal to pretty much everyone who wants to play games with someone else, so it's just hard to um, to get the right thing for everyone at the same time to get the most out of your app. I think uh, one thing that we're going to try to do to help with that, actually, is um, look into... Uh, crowdfunding actually, which is going to help us because I mean, again, the team's expertise is mostly around um, iPhone and League of Legends, and so we're going to look to do a crowdfunding campaign where the goal is to actually help us figure out what products and what games people care about the most. I mean, I know uh, a lot of close friends of mine are really big Civ fans, Civilization fans, and. Uh, there's really not that much of a community for it, but if you kind of ask the question, you, you never know what you might you might find. Uh, thanks for being on the show, man. That was a really good interview. Uh, of course, thank you so much for having me. You're listening to League of Legends Radio. If you ask just about any pro player what wins games of League of Legends, they'll tell you objectives. So this week I'd like to help you guys understand the objective game a bit more and how you can use objectives to win games, even if your team is behind. This uh, works especially well at lower elos, bronze, gold, silver, because people really don't understand objectives very well at these elos. They think they know what they're doing, but they really just will go for kills, or they'll go for Baron at the wrong time. That's one that's fun to watch. Or, you know, they'll take a, a Baron instead of an inhibitor, or they'll take a dragon instead of an inner tower, and it's just... You can use objectives in ways that a lot of people will not understand at your elo, but if you can shot call and get them to follow you, then you can definitely win games even if you're behind using objectives. Okay, the most important objective is the Nexus. The second most is the Nexus turrets. If you can take one of those, it's always great. Uh, then you want to take inhibitors, and if you can't take an inhibitor, then you want to take a Baron, and... If you can't take a Baron, then you want to take an Inner Tower, or an Inhibitor Tower, my bad. And if you can't take that, take a Dragon, and then just a regular Tower after that. That is 
Just the general hierarchy of objective control. Just understanding that and applying it in your games will win you more games because it's so frustrating when I'll be watching, you know, a lower elo game, expecting my bronze or silver friends, and instead of taking an inhibitor when they can, they'll take a baron. And yeah, the baron's good, but the thing that they don't understand is that, first of all, inhibitors are explicitly better than barons. They create more map pressure, and yeah, the baron is different this season than it was in previous seasons because it does help you push, but I'd still much rather have super minions than the baron buff minions. Because the Baron buff minions are great and all, but really what you're looking to have is more map pressure. Like, if you watch Trick2G at all, I love watching Trick. I know he's not everyone's cup of tea, but I love Trick. And one of the things that he always talks about is the gates, baby. That was a really bad impression, but you get the point. He's always talking about the gates, and I think that he really does think about the game in a way that most people do not, because he thinks of it almost purely in terms of objective control, because the gates are, you know, breaching the um, inhibitors, killing inhibitors, killing towers, and really that's how you win. And he understands that towers yield inhibitors, inhibitors yield nexus towers, and nexus towers yield the nexus, and then you win. That's You could have zero kills and still win a game if you kill their nexus first, because at the end of the day, really the most important objective is the nexus. So if you can kill the nexus you win. That's the only stat that matters. And playing around the gates really does help you to take that nexus eventually. And playing around objectives rather than kills or, you know, padding your KDA will win you more games than than anything else will. Yeah, so, okay, let's go back over that hierarchy again. Obviously, the nexus is the most important. Just went over it. Take it, you win. Booyah. Nexus towers really... Because to take one, you have to have taken an inhibitor at some point. And if you have a Nexus Tower down, it just puts a lot more pressure on them because they can't stray too far away from their base. Because if you take another, if you get a split push going and you take another Nexus Tower and their Nexus is exposed, that puts an insane amount of pressure on the enemy team to defend. Because, yeah, it, if you've got both your, you know, you can you can get XPEC aid, you can get backdoored. So they have to have someone typically defending that unless you're like all AP or something with no mobility, which is rare, but it does happen occasionally. But anyways, so if you've got your inhib- your Nexus exposed because you don't have any Nexus towers, then you're in a very vulnerable position. And that's really when you can start to take those other objectives like inhibitors and barons and dragons and all that stuff. But anyway, so you've got your the Nexus exposed or whatever, and then they can't really contest a baron because assume you've got super minions knocking at your door and if you don't then you can just have four people at baron have one person go bot take the inhibitor and then win the game so they pretty much always have to have someone defending their base which creates a 4v5 scenario everywhere else or if they do send that person out of the base you can just end the game and so you really want to do take those nexus towers just because of the pressure they create. And I'd say after that is the inhibitor, because the same reason, really, you just get pressure on their base. You just want pressure. League of Legends is a game of pressure. You really do want to out-pressure your opponents rather than just brute-forcing it. Because when you take an inhibitor, let's say you take the bot lane inhibitor, and you've got super minions pushing up there. Well, you can just send your whole team top, or, you know, do a 4-1 push, one mid lane, four top lane or something, and... 
they have to send one person to stop the super minions or they'll, you know, wreck their base. They have to send at least the same number of people to your other lanes, but then they they can't. They physically can't. They've got someone defending the super minions. So you're either left with, a, if you do 4-1, then you're left with either a 4v4 top and a 1v super minions bottom. And then you can just have your one person stay mid and take a tower or they send one person to stop your mid, the person in the mid lane, one person to stop the super minions, and then it's a 3v4 top. And the other thing that happens when you've got super minions pushing bot lane is you have much more Baron control because, again, either they have to win a 4v5 fight at Baron to win the game, or they have to send all their teammates top, and then your top laner can just teleport into the base and win it because super minions, it's kind of like having... Having super minions is kind of like having a team member pushing because they... I'd say they push roughly the same speed. I mean, unless it's like a support or something or someone insane like Yasuo, but it does create a similar pressure to having a split pusher on your team. Just one that can't think and just walks to their doom every time, but still a split pusher. And so, and so it's kind of like having a 6v5 in a, in a way, if that makes any sense. So that's why inhibitors are just great to have because they open up all these other objectives to you. Like that's why... They're also really good to have, and really, if you get one good push with a super minion wave, you can end the game a lot of the time. Yeah, super minions are good. Anyways, after that, I said Baron, and I kind of briefly went over this earlier, but having Baron just gives you a lot of pushing power this season, plus it gives you team fight power. It's just really good to have. I think that most everyone will tell you inhibitors are better than Barons because they're more permanent. Like, if you die with Baron, that's too bad. I mean... Baron is different this season than it was in other seasons, just because if your support is the only one with Baron, you're still getting that bonus on the minions. Granted, it's only on one lane at a time. Like in previous seasons, when it was a purely a stat bonus thing that you would take, if it was zero risk, you would just go grab Baron, free stats. But now, even if your support is the only one with it, you can still, you know, get that empowered super minion shooting. I need to look up the range on that. It's something ridiculous, though, that those cannon minions just shoot so far when you have Baron on. Like, if they don't have any long-range um, attacks, it just keeps wailing away at your turrets from however many units away. It's pretty funny. But um, but yeah, once you get that Baron, your team fight is... Assuming the teams are even up to this point. I'm just going to assume the teams are relatively even just because the game's changes if they're not even and you can kind of figure out what the differences would be if they're not, but... Assuming the teams are roughly even in gold, the team with Baron will win team fights. I mean, yeah, you can team comp, blah, 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 blah. But for my intents and purposes, the team with Baron will win. The other thing that happens is you get pushing power, which I mentioned. So yeah, Baron is just overall really good to have. I should have in my original hierarchy mentioned fifth dragon as a different objective than the other dragons because having fifth dragon is, in my personal opinion, better than Baron. I really, really like 5th Dragon. It, yeah, 5th Dragon is just insane. If you guys can ever get to 5th Dragon, you, it's pretty much a free team fight. They have 3 minutes to defend you, and that's about it. Plus, when you have 5th Dragon, the thing that you have to keep in mind is that objectives are not isolated. Taking a Baron doesn't mean just taking a Baron. Taking a Baron means you get Baron buff, and then you say, what can I do with this? If you can take Baron and then you know you'll win in a team fight if they try to contest, you go take Dragon. 
and once you have that dragon, maybe that was your fifth dragon, you now have Baron buff and Dragon buff, and I would assume by that point in the game you'd be pretty near full build, so you know your team is strong, you know you can win, so you just shove mid lane, and if they try and stop you, if they try to defend, you kill them, because you're way stronger right now, so taking an objective is not just about taking that objective, it's about creating pressure, and then seeing what you can do off of that objective. Let's say it's early game. Now let's say I'm jungling because jungling is cool. And I go and I get two kills bot lane. Good job, Michael. So we've now killed both of their bottom laners. We don't know where their jungler is, but we know that they only have three of their people alive and one of them's top lane. So we can then push the tower. And, you know, sometimes it's not the best to take a tower early just because... It allows them to farm easier, but, you know, if your bot lane was already winning, you can just keep shoving them in, and then they'll eventually get to the point where they can 3v2 them with the jungler, and, yeah, it's just... And that's a bit situational that you don't want to take towers. Typically, in solo queue, I say always take the tower, unless you're against something like Nasus, who will really become a problem if you can free farm, but typically you want to take the tower, if you can. And, anyways, so you take that tower, and then you shove the next wave. Okay, so while their bot lane is dealing with that wave, you know their bot lane's behind. You just killed both of them. Of course they're behind. They missed EXP. They have been dead, and they just lost their tower. So they're far behind. They're still reeling from that. You go, you rush the dragon, you get your mid laner to come, and it's now four people at dragon. You don't know where their jungler is, but you do know that you can contest, or they can't really contest this without their bot lane losing even more CS and getting even more behind, which... Again, you have to keep in mind, they're already behind your bot lane. Your bot lane is stronger than their bot lane. Which means if their bot lane comes to contest, your bot lane better than their bot lane. Although, I mean, you do have to keep in mind that they haven't backed to purchase yet, but we're just going to still say that they're stronger than the <laughs> enemy bot lane. Anyways, your bot lane stronger than their bot lane. You, we'll say we're even. We'll say the junglers and the mid laners are even. So you guys do have a slight edge in a fight. Plus you have already started the dragon, so you've kind of got the momentum going your way, and then you take the dragon. And so instead of just, I don't like to lump them together, but kills are objectives, they do help your team win. So you got those objectives, you killed the bot lane, you then hard pushed and took a tower off it, and then you went and took dragon off it. So you turned those two kills into a dragon and a tower, instead of just running off into your jungle and, you know, going and taking your gromp. And it's just, it's that kind of thinking that will carry you and your team in solo queue. It's that, what can I do to maximize what just happened? What can I do to get the most out of what I just did? Because if you can think, if you can train yourself to think like that, instead of thinking of things in a one at a time manner, like, okay, I'm going to get these two kills. Okay, I got these two kills. Time to go back to my jungle. Because you just missed out on a dragon and a bear. I mean, <laughs> a dragon and a bear. You just missed out on a dragon and a tower that would have been free. And yeah, the enemy jungler could have contested, blah, 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 blah. We're just, we're talking academically, so I'm just going to leave out factors like, you know, the jungler coming in and stealing it, blah, 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 because it doesn't make for good, um, doesn't make for good hypothetical situations, you know? But yeah, so really understanding how objectives work, how you can snowball objectives for your victory will make you a much better team player in solo queue, even though there's every game of solo queue is a 1v9, and it will also 
Well, I mean, I think that also just understanding more about the map in general is also really important. Just being able to look at any point in the game and be able to make the right call, that can carry you far as a player, just understanding the game, even if your mechanics aren't great. Yeah, so in recap, I ramble a lot. It sort of makes sense. (laughs) I hope you guys did get something out of that because I do think there was some good information that I, I said there and... If you can get through all of the fast-talking and the weird hypothetical situations, then you should be able to get something out of it. But yeah, just TLDR. TLDL. Too Long Didn't Listen. Okay, close enough. Um, Yeah, Too Long Didn't Listen. What you want to do when you take an objective is ask yourself the question, what else can I do with this? So don't think of objectives as singular entities Think of them as gateways to other objectives. Gateways? Gates? D-gates? Get it? (laughs) Okay. That's... No. But yeah, so think of them as gateways to other objectives. And always be asking yourself, what else can I do with this? And that just about wraps up this episode of League of Legends Radio. If you take one thing away from this episode... Please make it be, don't, don't throw it, Baron. That's not good. Don't do that. Don't cost those games because you're going for Baron instead of an inhibitor. Anyways, thank you guys for downloading this episode. Don't forget to check out Improve Your League 2.0. You can also follow us on Twitter at LO Legends Radio on the Twitter. And if you'd like to be on the show, just shoot me over an email at ponderousceline at gmail.com and I'd love to have you guys. So again, thank you for watching. I'm Ponder Sea Line, and I'll catch you on the flippity flop. This has been League of Legends Radio. Check one, two. Game day media.